This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We are happy to have you tonight, and we're recording, or tomorrow when you're listening, or whenever the case may be. We're always happy to have you here listening to us. We got three uh, three folks in the chat this evening, uh, one being myself, Matthew Bunch. Uh, secondly, Lee Efens. Lee, welcome back to America. How you doing, buddy? Yes, I had a wonderful vacation. Those of you that followed the Magic City Soccer Instagram account, I did drop a couple of little teasers in there. I did finally make my um, my pilgrimage to the Bombonera. I saw lots of murals of um, the truly greatest player of all time, Diego Armando Maradona. Um, <laughs> aging myself there. Um, yeah, and stuffed myself full of um, food and funnet and cola. And now I'm back and ready to go. That sounds like a hell of a trip. Very good yes. for you. Uh, Joel uh, Delgado, third man on the show tonight. Joel, how you doing? Good evening, fellas. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, my voice has just recovered from uh, League's Cup action on Saturday. I was there at Geodis Park, and it was one of the best probably soccer atmospheres I've ever been to in my life, so I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, finally Finland recovered from it, so it's uh, it was a great match. Well, let's jump into what is the big story, and it is quite a story for South Florida soccer. Uh, Inter-Miami CF claims uh, its first... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Apparently, I have the inside line, and all these super Inter-Miami fans here, it's their second title. Are you counting the Carolinas Cup? Because the Breeze Airways <laughs> Carolina Challenge Cup is is not nothing. And if we're if we're counting hastily thrown together tournaments, then it's their second. So people say I don't like into Miami. I'm awarding them one trophy already. This is the second one. So there we go. That I is think some, it, that's very generous of you, Lee. Yes, <laughs> and I think this puts them above Orlando. So that's a that's that's a win Super on one. everyone's account. Um, but the League's Cup, Miami FC, well, Inter Miami CF. That's the first time I've ever done that. Wow, uh, Inter Miami CF. Claim the League's Cup in a thrilling, thrilling 1-1 uh, draw. I'm winning it in penalties. Um, well, I'm doing the math in my head. Give me a hit. 9-8 in the shootout, right? 10-9, That's right. Yeah. yeah, one miss for Inter-Miami, two misses for uh, Nashville after going through the entire uh, roster, going through all 11 spots. Joel, you are at the match. Uh, tell us a little bit about the environment. Tell us a little bit about what you saw at the game. And, and then I'll uh, talk a little bit about the local scene here in South Florida. Oof. Well, let me tell you, it was electric. I mean, I've been, I'm a season ticket holder for Nashville SC, just a full disclaimer here. So I've been to a lot of Nashville SC games, Yotas Park, um, uh, the largest soccer specific stadium in the United States. Um, and it was, it was probably as raucous as I've ever seen it, um, in person. And, uh, it was just a really great, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how much I paid to be at the stadium for that one. Um, I was one of the few unfortunate souls who did not opt into these cup tickets, but that's a whole nother spiel for another day, but it was electric. I mean, from the moment you walk into the stadium, uh, into the, uh, into the, uh, into the park, it was just, you know, just an electric buzzing atmosphere. You had the supporters groups for Nashville C chanting already like an hour before the game even started. You had lots of messy jerseys, lots of pink. Um, you know, I definitely predominantly Nashville crowd, but there was definitely a, a good sizable uh, presence of messy jerseys, both Argentinian jerseys. There was a guy next to me sitting with an Argent like a, a messy Argentina jersey. There was a lot of pink uh, Inter Miami Messi jerseys as well, so it was a it was a great atmosphere, great back and forth between the two uh, 
two fan bases and it was a great match. I mean, we can get into the the match itself at some point, but the atmosphere itself is one of the most electric that I've ever been to. 30,000 strong, um, just a really great night for soccer, both I think in the United States and North America as a whole. I'm going to jump in straight away there just because I'm curious. What's the supporter culture like up there? You know, it's strong. I mean, if you think about the history of Nashville SC, this is a team that um, is very much a grassroots movement. It started off as an amateur club in uh, NPSL back in 2013, uh, got some investors, was in USL for two years before making the jump to MLS. So there's a strong supporter culture here. The uh, the back line uh, is what they call themselves, the assembly. There's a couple of really good supporters groups there, and you'll see them chanting all game long. And it's a great atmosphere. They've been around for about a decade now. That's This, this is a team that has cultivated a fan base and a following in this town and uh, strong USL support back in the day. And they just really have embraced soccer. It's kind of similar to hockey here in Nashville. It's kind of like a surprise. You wouldn't think of Nashville as a market for soccer or for hockey, but um, the, the, the city has really embraced both of those clubs and it's created a culture that is really fun. And, you know, Geodis Park, when it opened last year, uh, it just changed the game. I mean, playing at Nissan Stadium, 60,000 seats is one thing. It's cavernous. You feel lost. And even 20,000 feels small. But when you pack in 25,000 or pl uh, plus per night at Geodis, um, it's a great atmosphere and a very intimidating one for opposing teams to come into. So it's a great trip. Honestly, if you guys ever want to come up here, it's <laughs> It's a fun place to watch a match. Um, so, um, but it's a really cool place. I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm here in Nashville, honestly, to be to experience the growth of it from our small days in a minor league baseball stadium, playing in front of five thousand fans, to seeing to being in one of the biggest soccer events probably in ages with Messi playing and getting to see him play. Um, it's pretty phenomenal, pretty surreal, honestly. I, I think one of the great stories of American soccer in the last decade or so is. Major League Soccer decided as an entity, like the South was the future, that that getting into the new South was was a big part of the future. And I think there was a lot of second guessing of that decision. Um, and because there have been rather famous sports flops in the American South. And when we think of like um, Atlanta and the NHL and some of the Sunbelt NFL teams have been okay but but haven't really stood out. Um, but it really appears that as it relates to soccer, you look at Atlanta, you look at Charlotte, you look at Nashville, they have drawn much more on the college football line of the like intensity of, of a fandom compared to the pro teams generally, which have been a little bit lackluster when it comes to fans. Um, and I was very impressed by the Nashville crowd the other night. Like you were always going to get some people in, in some messy or always going to get some, some Miami shirts in there, but it was a hell of a lot of yellow, a hell of a lot of yellow. And it was a loud crowd for pretty much the whole game. Um, you know, uh, up at drive pink, there is a pretty good, uh, environment, uh, led by the supporters groups. And I think that Nashville is the first in, in, in kind of watching, Inter Miami this year, Nashville that night was the first time where I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like Miami. Like there's a lot of musicality to it. There's a lot of spirit to it. Um, Messi's getting booed, you know, like he's getting cheered, but he's also getting booed. It was, it was proper. It was, that was just the word that kept on coming to mind. It's like, this is a proper environment. If, if Miami wants to win, they're going to have to go in and take it. It's not, they're not just going to, you know, have the team roll over for belly scratches and photos afterward. They're going to have to really go in and grab it. Um, so on to the game. Um, but the going into the game, it was really going to be Nashville is going to be defensive. 
They're going to try to absorb pressure. They're going to try to make sure Lionel Messi doesn't find the moment of magic. They're going to counter and they're going to try to find set pieces. And Nashville played the exact game that they wanted, except for about 18 seconds. Um, And that's really the whole game. It's really remarkable. We'll go into the second half and and the the kind of the the corner that leads to the Nashville goal, but it kind of becomes tired to talk about, but, but I, I think that that goal from Messi might be the best of the bunch so far from him. Um, You know, I was talking with our friend Omar Mubayed um, uh, the night of, and it's just, it's a FIFA goal. He's not squared up to the, 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 the goal frame at all. It's ping pongs around. It falls to his foot. He makes the tiniest bit of space. There are five defenders right near him. And he just finds the perfect way. Keeper can't do a damn thing about it. You just pick it out. That's all you can do. Uh, Joel, what was it like to be in the in in the stadium to see that one? It was a I mean, it was a thing of beauty. Like you said, like for 20 or so, 20 plus minutes, Messi's kind of like not doing much of anything. That's his MO, though. Like he's one of those guys that he does more walking than most players do running. He's not. It sounds like he, sometimes you'll look at him and be like, you don't really tell. You can't really tell that he's there. He's just kind of prowling around, not doing much. And then it's just three seconds. I mean, you can't, I mean, I looked at the replay probably like 20 times since Saturday and it's three seconds, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, boom, it's in the back of the net. You barely blink. And the moment he touched the ball, like you just kind of knew everyone in the stadium was already standing up. Everybody was watching it. And it just seemed like everyone held their collective breath when he touched the ball, because you can feel it. This is like the moment that we've seen before many times. And the moment he scored that goal, I mean, the stadium just erupted. You can hear all the, all the the cheers and even like you know national supporters you have to like you know you have to shake your head in in an amazement at what you just saw it's kind of like what you were there for you want to see messy doing messy things and that's exactly what it was and that's all he needed he just needs a small window and you know you look at the they mean everything national like you said national did everything you want on that play walker zimmerman nine times out of ten he's going to make that tackle and get the ball away from the from the attacker's feet Dax McCarty was in his face, tracking him the whole time. But Messi just finds that window, and then Panico like makes his, you know does everything he can to make the save, but he puts it in the perfect spot. And it's just like you said, it is a signature Messi move, and probably the nicest one of the tournament. And you look at him this whole tournament. I mean, he's got. I mean, Inter Miami led the led the tournament in both goals inside the eighteen and outside of the eighteen. All five outside of the eighteen goals from Miami are from Messi, and it's. It's he just has that ability, that killer instinct to score. And uh, it was pretty amazing to see in person. I think one of the special things about this sport is I think the only other sport that kind of comes close to it in, in, in what I'm about to talk about is baseball, where if you go to a baseball game and the opposing team has a, a, a legend on it, you, you kind of want to see that guy hit a home run, even if it's against your team. You want to see, I still remember very vividly, I went to a, a, a Florida Marlins game. They were the Florida Marlins at the time. And the Cardinals were playing. Um, the, the Marlins were hosting the Cardinals. And Albert Pujols was on the Cardinals at the time. And I every time he went to bat, I stood up. And he hit a home run, the left field, uh, over the porch out there. In what was then Landshark Stadium or whatever it is. Now it's Hard Rock. And I don't remember the score of that game. I'm not really even a Marlins fan. I'm from Baltimore. But like, you 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 almost want to see that moment as much as you want to see your team. And now this is not the case in a, a cup match. You want to win the cup, but you, you kind of want being able to see that moment. You can acknowledge in that moment, like, wow, this is a great player doing a great thing. And you kind of have to just 
take it in. It's like, okay, gather ourselves. It's just one goal, but, but it, it's almost kind of a letdown. If you know, Nashville wins four nil and Messi doesn't do anything. Uh, there's a tiny bit of letdown to it. You want to see great players do great things. And I think soccer and baseball are two sports where that really lend themselves to that. Um, I'm going to jump uh, in there, Matt, just, but yeah. I'm sorry if you're about to finish a thought there, but it's interesting you say that. And um, actually it's kind of relevant here. I remember going to watch Wales play England, a qualifier. I can't remember if it was world cup or euros, and Beckham was playing and they get this free kick about 25 yards out of goal. I'm right behind this goal at Old Trafford and Beckham is about to take this free kick. And you know, sometimes when you're watching a penalty shootout and you're looking at the player before they take the penalty and you can almost have a good feeling this player's going to score, this player's going to send it out of the stadium. Yeah. And the, I just knew the way he was sizing that ball up that he was going to score a free kick and we were going to lose this game. And sure enough, he just steps up and it's, it's there on YouTube, just curls it beautifully into the top corner. And some of those players, they have an aura. And in that game as well, he also purposefully got himself booked so he would miss the next game. So he'd get the yellow card out of the way going into the, going into the, most, the more important game. They had a team even worse than Wales next. And then they had a big game against like uh, uh, Elio or Germany. This is a back in the midst of time now. So my, it's lost in yeah. all this football I have up here. But yeah, it's, you know, even I, uh, even though it was an international game, which is where I really like, where my heart, I must leave. I couldn't believe it. Like a free kick to, to put them in the lead. It was incredible. And I'm sure there's a lot of core memories that have been created in that stadium that weekend, regardless of who you were cheering for from having seen that goal by Messi. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like I'm going to tell my kids and grandkids, I got to see... <clears throat> The, one of the greatest of all time score a goal right in front of me. I mean, I was in the section right behind the goal and I got to see it like just develop as it happened. And I'm never going to forget that moment. And that's a moment that I can like, you know, always take with me and you can't replace that. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, like you said, like, as a, like, you know, I'm a Nashville fan. Like, I know like that's probably, you know, we can talk about that later, but it's like, yeah. it's the same thing. like you go into the game hoping that you see Messi score, but you, st you still see your team win. Um, yeah, you want to have your cake and eat it too. You know, exactly. you, you do want to win. It doesn't prevent you from winning, but I think the one that always comes to mind um, and, you know, I guess on a club level, they're kind of my rival, but I, I do, I did always appreciate it. Um, the Ronaldo hat trick at Old Trafford and he comes off the pitch and gets the standing ovation from the United fans. Like that's just, that's when you see class, you, you, you have to acknowledge it. And, and, and again, in other sports, that would never happen. You know, like really you're, you're not seeing that in, in American football. You're not seeing that in basketball, but to a degree in baseball and, and in soccer, it, it's what makes it great. It's, it's part of you're tied into your team, but there is a tie to the sport that's almost greater um, that you just you can't not acknowledge that goodness. So anyway, this is in the this is in the first half. My, my Inter Miami sets the tone, um, gets the first goal, and it kind of looks like even though it, it does come later in the game than it had in previous games. Like okay, Inter Miami's off to their lead. Maybe they'll get two before a half. Dust this thing away. Start etching the name on the cup. Didn't work out that way. Uh, I think Inter Miami looked the better of the two sides. From that point, going into halftime, but after halftime, um, Gary Smith and Nashville adjusted, I think, really well, played to their strengths, and then they are able to to knock in a, a tying goal. Hey, look who decides to just bomb us out of nowhere. It's Omar Mubayed. Omar, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm just prepping for Cincy soccer talk here in a few minutes. 
That's right. Okay, so yeah, it's actually good to promote. So Omar uh, will not be joining us in great depth tonight because he's running around with another show, um, Cincy Soccer Talk. Um, and Omar, Lee Tom, Solve said he's left the room. I know, Lee has <laughs> left the Zoom. Uh, I think he's going to take this opportunity to grab a beverage. Um, Omar, tell tell the folks a little bit about that show so they can check that out too. Uh, and then we'll 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 you know, cut you loose, I guess, unless you have any thoughts on inner. Yeah, uh, so we're going to talk about Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson in the first round of the playoffs because I'm assuming we're going to be talking about Cincinnati Bengals football uh, PPR or no PPR? tonight. Uh, the half point PPR, split the okay, split the baby, yes. split the baby. You rightly half point PPR. <laughs> yep, okay, sounds good to me. I prefer to run the football, but whatever. <laughs> so no, we're, I think we're going to be talking about the upcoming U.S. Open Cup match, which I'm assuming you guys are going to be getting to here in just a few minutes. Yes. Uh, so we're going to hit a double dose. It's Magic City Soccer everywhere tonight, I guess. I like it. All right. Do you have any thoughts you want to share about Inner before you decide to talk to the uh, the opposition? Never heard of her. All right. Good to know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. No, Inner. Inner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, it's it's amazing what the best player in the world can do for you, right? You just plug and play them as if it's a, just a, a FIFA game. You put them in the MLS, and all of a sudden, the worst team is the best team. Uh, shocker. What a surprise. It's a cheat code. He's a walking cheat code. He's a game shark. That's what he is. He's a game shark code. Right? Up, up, down, down, left, left, right, right, start select, start select, A, B. Is that what it is? That, 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 the Konami code? code? Yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Have a good show, guys. You too, Omar. Good luck. Um, Omar Mubayed, uh, a, a nice Omar little, coming in there with the, the yeah, nice little cameo appearance. Um, so anyway, coming back to the second half, Nashville, um, scores all the set piece and, and we knew this was the point of vulnerability for inner. And we knew this was the point of strength for Nashville. And every time that bowl rolls, rolls over the, the end line, um, and it, it's a corner for Nashville, you have to hold your breath and just, all right. And, and Joel, it was a hell of a set piece. It kind of got knocked in weird. It wound up being an old own goal off a of Drake calendar, but that was a well-deserved goal. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what, I mean, that's one of Nashville SC's strengths is on the, is on the corner kick. You got honey, the league MVP taking those corners. And then you got some size in the box with guys like Walker Zimmerman crashing in there and able to get ahead on the ball. And, um, and, you know, credit to Fafa Pical, like the, you know, talk about a blast in the past, Fort Lauderdale strikers hey, alum there. Fafa. And getting the like, zone, oh, Fafa Pical. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I, I was so excited when Nashville signed him. Cause I'm like, I get to see Fafa again. This is like just super, this, everything can for all my past converging into one place. And it's great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the whole place erupted and like the, the, Nashville needed it. I mean, he had so many close opportunities and, uh, you know, and that's just where it, where it happens. And, you know, in a game where I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but in a game where you need your game, your, 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 your key players to make big plays, you need your big players to make big plays. Um, you didn't quite get that from Hani Mukhtar or Sam Surridge. They had that one moment where they had a chance to take the lead on the breakaway, but just could not finish it, could not convert it. But, um, you know, coming off the set piece, getting that big goal was a huge side of relief because then you, it's off to the races. You, it's anybody's game at that point. And uh, everything was just like, everybody was on edge. The anxiety was like off the charts in that whole place on both sides. Uh, but it was a great moment. That was a great moment for Nashville and you can just hear it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a magic moment for Nashville for sure. Taylor Twelman pointed out on the broadcast on Apple TV that Inter-Miami scoring first really kind of discombobulated the, the game plan for Nashville because, you know, absorbing pressure doesn't work when the other team just hold the ball for the next 70 minutes and ride out the, ride out the game. 
And so they they had to go after it. And it was clear that they were looking to create opportunities for those set pieces, whether it was kind of setting up situations to try to draw a foul or or the corners. And it was just, it was well-deserved. And I, going into halftime, I don't remember what Nashville's XG was, but Miami's XG was 0.06. Um, and, and one of the shots was the Robert Taylor shot that was like oh, a difficult shot, but probably more XG than the messy goal was. Um, so you really did feel that like Nashville was a bit unlucky to be down, but I think over the balance of the 90, one, one was a fair scoreline. And, and let's talk about the last, what, 90 seconds of that match where it very easily could have been two, one Nashville. And then it sh- not only could have easily could have been, should have been period, best opportunity the whole night should have been two, one Miami. I, what, what's the emotion in the stadium for that? I, because after that miss, the very next thing I did was watch the replays and look at the stands because I wanted to see how people were reacting as that was happening. As Campana it has a one-on-one with the keeper, chips him, it's off target. He's got to try to follow it up, and he puts the follow up into the the, the sidebar, and away it goes. What, what what was that like? I just collapsed when it Campana missed. I just fell on the floor. Oh, it was insane. I mean, <laughs> I, I, everybody held their breath. I, I held my breath, and you know, the moment that Campana was subbed in. I had a, my my brain went, oh no, it's Campana, because I know what this guy has done. He's he's broken my heart many times. I I will never forget the 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 Open Cup goal against Miami FC back in 2022, where he yeah. just staggered the hopes in in 80. I think it was the 81st minute. Those are moments you don't you don't forget players like that. And when he started to come in there, I knew Miami's like, okay, this guy he can score. He's a dangerous player, and if he gets free in space. He can do that kind of thing. And, you know, he had that. You can't ask for a better opportunity one on one with the keeper. And I mean, I don't I honestly still don't know how that ball did not go in. I, I thought it was for sure the end of the game at the death. And it just so happened that he just could not finish it, couldn't convert it. But that's just the way the game goes. Right. I mean, it was a pretty even match for both sides. And like you had like the Sam Surridge uh, close opportunity with Hani. And then you had this Campana miss. So it could have been easily been a 2-2 game. Um, but I mean, that's just how, how it goes, but yeah, the stadium and then obviously the sigh of relief, it was more like a sigh of relief than anything else. But, um, and then the whistle obviously blew after that and we're going to PKs, but, um, another thing, can we just not do the whole straight to PKs after the 90 minutes for the final match? Like, can we get the extra, like, this is a game where you want to sell it on the pitch and it would have been very nice to have two extra 15 minute periods. Uh, but I mean, I digress. It is what it is. They probably would have come around with the card reader. Well, if you want a third, another 30 minutes of Messi, it's going to cost you all another. Do you, do you want extra time? It's going to cost you all another extra 30 bucks. No? Okay, straight to penalties then. <laughs> That's pretty. Apple TV is going to be working on that for, for next year. Um, you know, I am of two minds about that. Mind one is. I don't like rules that are specific for a final that aren't in the other knockout games. Uh, but I also like a final should not go straight to penalties from, from, from 90 minutes. So I don't know what I want exactly, <laughs> but I think, I think both those teams, if you give them a, a, a poll, um, you know, an, an anonymous poll and you had them vote, do you want to play 30 minutes or you just want to go straight to PKs after that one? I think a, a clear majority of both teams are probably going to go to PKs, especially at, maybe not after the, the heartbreak, maybe Campana's but you know, give me 30 more minutes. I don't want to end like this if we wind up losing. But um, I, I think both teams are pretty well knackered. They're, they they were both, both clubs had not a ton of rotation, I don't think, from their previous games. And they all, they both have pretty important games coming up in the next few days. So I think, you know, in their, maybe in their sporting heart, they, w- they would want the... Uh, the other 30, but I think in their like actual logical brain, they might want to just jump ahead. So go to penalties. 
Um, and it's a pretty straightforward penalty shootout, except for the length. Uh, and Uyoa missing what would have been the clincher. And I don't think any inner Miami fan was, was happy with Uyoa taking the clincher there. Um, I think again, as Lee said, sometimes, you know, when someone's going to step up and just crush it. Sometimes you also know when someone's going to step up and it just ain't going to work out. And that was definitely in that moment. And then, you know, I, we were at Bay 13 in, in Coral Gables uh, to watch. I was watching with Franco Kelly's uh, friend of the show, obviously one of the co-hosts. Um, and someone said like, where's Jordi Alba? Why isn't Jordi Alba stepping up for this? Why is Uyoa stepping up? And then Alba eventually has to step up and the announcers point out it's his first penalty kick shootout attempt of his career. Like that's insane. Like, how is that possible? Um, I guess he, yeah, like, I guess the guy doesn't like taking PKs very much, but he took a fine one. Um, and then it comes down to the keepers. Drake calendar is the hero. There can't be anything better than being the keeper that absolutely just smashes the hell out of it, steps up into the net, makes the save. You're the winner. Uh, Drake yeah. calendar, you know, Leo Messi, obviously player of the tournament, all that. Cause he's, but if, if there is no Leo Messi, if you, the goals still go in, but Leo Messi's not scoring, they're just distributed. Drake calendar is the player of the tournament. He had a hell of a tournament for inner Miami. And if you have the offense as it's currently running and a keeper at the back, as confident as he is, the world's your oyster. Yeah, we haven't talked enough about Drake Calendar. He was phenomenal in this tournament, and he was phenomenal in this game. He made a few very key pivotal saves that kept Inter Miami in this game. And, uh, I mean, he's done that all tournament. He's been really clear. I mean, he's grown a lot since, you know, coming in and winning the the keeping job. And, uh, yeah, he was just phenomenal tonight. And I think this tournament is going to, uh, you know, open up a lot of eyeballs to what he's capable of. And who knows, you might get some interest overseas as well. I mean, this is the kind of tournament where people are going to start noticing you. And if he can continue to play with that kind of confidence moving forward, uh, who knows? I think Inter Miami can have something really special. I mean, we were talking about all the, 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 you know, the newcomers that are coming into Inter Miami, but having an anchor back there, like Drake calendar doing what he's been doing. Uh, it's special. And it makes a difference when, it, when a keeper is hot, uh, it makes a huge difference. Lee, I want to talk to you for a second about psychology now going forward for Inter Miami. You know, mo every other club that's exiting this tournament is going back into their league schedule. Inter Miami just played seven tournament games, you know, three three in the group stage before knockout games, and now they jump right into another knockout game. Mm -hmm. What kind of advantage or disadvantage do you think this might present them? Uh, you know, considering so much pressure built up towards that final and now they kind of got to go again do you think you know with with some experiences players you have do you think that's going to be more beneficial to them or maybe they might trip up on this game against Cincinnati I think professional football players are very very good at taking each game as it comes and I don't think it's going to be a big factor having said that um I think that how good is Cincy at the moment because I've got to be honest I don't know pretty good and pretty good at home and they're, they're gonna have to travel to Cincinnati Pretty good defensive side. Um, I think it's one of those where they 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 maybe haven't lost a competitive game at home in a while. Um, I know Omar has the specific numbers. I should we need to freaking uh, patch him back in here for a second? But they're they they're they're pretty good, especially in Ohio. You, you know, it, and we've said on this podcast before that it's it, it is a psychological sport. It's not just about going out there running and kicking a ball. Um, but I think that this is a professional a, a professional locker room. And they go out to win every single game. And it will be no different against Cincinnati. Um, there could be an element of like a little, you know, 
how can I best put this? You know, it's a little hangover almost of, of having lifted the League's Cup and then having another pretty important game straight after. That doesn't always happen. Usually, you know, you've won a trophy, you get a little bit of time to enjoy it, um, and then you kind of move on to the next season almost. So the fact that this um, this has been in the middle of the season, somewhat interesting. So um, I think that the momentum is going to be good for the league, but um, I think... I think Cincinnati will be like, we've got to get into these guys for 15, 20 minutes in this game. Um, they're still going to be in like celebrating this thing in their heads. Maybe that first 20 minutes is going to be important. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. I think if anything, winning is a good habit to get into. It's a cliche, but it's true. Um, and winning trophies is a good habit to get into. And, you know, they're one game away from another final. Arguably, that one is a little bit more likely than doing something in MLS. So I think that the experienced heads in that locker room will be like, doesn't matter. We've got another, we've got another big game coming up. You know, they were probably straight back in training. What today? I don't know how would they travel back or whatever. But yeah, they footballers don't they don't they don't rest on those laurels. They'll enjoy that trophy at an appropriate time. But uh, they'll be aware there's an important game and there's work to do. And the standard has been set. And footballers are very good at meeting that standard and then exceeding that standard if they're good footballers. So um, I think it's probably going to be a net positive. But there's definitely a couple of things you'd be thinking. You've got to get straight back into that mindset. Put that trophy behind you and move on to the next one, which can be difficult. For sure. Yeah, I think that I think the first 30 minutes is going to tell us a lot. If mm-hmm. if Miami wanted going down 2-0 in 30 minutes, they're probably not coming back out of that one, you know, like they did against Dallas when, when they they went down two goals. Um, the the hangover effect will probably just be too much. But uh, but I also do think that, man, almost every single game they've played in so far has looked virtually identical. They get out to an early lead. Yeah, a team might come back into it, but they find a way. They're scrappy. You know, the messy does messy things. Um, it's going to be hard for Cincinnati. And and I do think, I hope, maybe I don't think, but I hope, I, I hope that the knowledge that there's a chance that this club hosts the final mm. instead of having to travel to Nashville, because that, it, it was a, uh, there was no shot by, by the point, you know, they won their game. They knew they were having to travel. Um, with this game, there's a, you know, a game, the, the results break a certain way. They're hosting this game, either at drive pink or at hard rock, um, depending on what, uh, you know, can be hammered out between, uh, Steven Ross and, and, and Jorge Mas, um, that should be a hell of a motivator and the U S open cup. And I'm, I'm sure that Leo Messi didn't grow up as a boy dreaming of hoisting the U S open cup, but that is a, that's a legitimate trophy. That is that is a trophy that's about as old as they come. It is our one piece of American soccer history. It's like, no, actually, this is this is legit. This has been around forever. Everyone has a shake at this one. This is for the the Puritans. You, you can't dispute this. You you can dispute the League's Cup as a new competition and whatever. You can't dispute the U.S. Open Cup. It's it's it, you've technically not an MLS competition, so I might even treat myself and watch it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and it's also, I think, look, this we have always been about as pro U.S. Open Cup as they come anywhere and everywhere around. We love the Open Cup here at Magic City Soccer. And I think it's pretty fair to say this is probably going to be the most watched Open Cup game of all time. 
Um, considering it's available on multiple platforms, it's going to be on CBS Sports Network. It's going to be on Telemundo, um, on Peacock streaming, Paramount Plus streaming. It's going to be accessible, whereas some of the other Lionel Messi games so far have not been necessarily. This one is going to be pretty accessible over broadcast television. Um, so um, I think it'd be a fun time. I know Cincinnati is going to be bouncing, just like Nashville is bouncing. I know Cincinnati is going to be bouncing. Um, and if that game can get back down here, if it's an open cup final here in South Florida, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a whole other level of excitement. Cause now again, like you said, Lee, you're building habits, you're building expectations even higher. I, I gotta say, I kind of hope that if they do play that game at home, I kind of hope they do play it at the drive Creek stadium. I think, uh, I think that, I think the optics are better of winning the open cup there than, than shifting it, but that's just me. Um, I think you make it a little bit more exclusive than all oh, 20,000 tickets. Better make sure you get yours. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at Cincinnati now, but they've, um, they're, 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 they're doing quite well. This this looks like hey. a close game. Messi or no yeah. Messi. Looks like a close yeah. game. Natty is, is the top of the league. They have 51 points in league play and they're well rested. I mean, and, but yeah, you know, and they're coming off a three, nothing trouncing to the rival rival Columbus yesterday. So they're going to come out really motivated on Wednesday. I think they were shaking off some of the cobwebs in Columbus. And I think they're going to come home really hungry. I think it's going to be probably a similar atmosphere to Nashville. Um, you're going to see a, a fan base that's, that's hungry and ready. And after a disappointing league's cup flame out to a loss to Nashville, ironically enough, uh, you're going to see, uh, you know, a team that's probably going to want to make a statement here and get back on track a little bit. Cause I think they're kind of dis- they have a, a, a really bad taste in their mouth from the last two matches that they've played. So it's going to be a fun match on Wednesday. I'm very curious to see how it comes out. And you got guys like Acosta in the middle, and then you got Vasquez up front. I mean, Cincinnati's got some playmakers that can really challenge and push that inter Miami back line and, and keep Drake calendar very busy. So it'll be a fun match to watch. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be, again, as we say, we are the, uh, the open cup evangelists here, you know, we're going out to FIU soccer stadium to see qualifiers and things like that old, good old tropical park. Um, so when you get a, a, a semifinal game that Miami's involved with, uh, that's going to be very exciting. So Wednesday, August 23rd, a 7 PM kick. God, God bless it. It's not this 9 PM kick from the other night. Huh. I, I can't, I can't take that anymore, man. Freaking wrapping up at 10 45 is too late for me, too late for my old bones. Um, but you're going to see seven o'clock Wednesday night, the, the Lionel Messi and inter Miami head into Cincinnati with a spot in the U S open cup final on the line. Miami has played in an open cup final once the Miami fusion back in 2000, I believe lost that one. Um, this is the uh, opportunity for a South Florida team to claim an open cup title for the first time. Uh, if they can navigate the next two games. So continuing uh, let's turn the page here a little bit. Let's talk about Miami Dade soccer team, um, the Miami FC. Uh, since we last spoke, two results. Uh, one result uh, a bit disappointing. Uh, one result exactly what you expect and good stuff. Um, setting up what should be one heck of a game on Saturday. So, Lee, I'll throw it to you a little bit. Let's start with Indy 11. It's a 1-0 defeat um, at the hands of Indy 11. Uh, Adrian Diz, uh with the goal. Um, in the 51st minute, um, Miami played all right, just couldn't couldn't find the back of the net. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Miami FC have been on such a good run, and uh, that result is a little bit of an outlier, really. Even if you go back, you know, uh, to sort of 
June time, you know, when we changed the coach. So, um, yeah, it happens. It was kind of a bad beat at home. We didn't get on the score sheet, which, again, has not happened for a little while. Um, yeah, there was a subplot of uh, Callum Chapman Page coming back to play for Indy 11 after being yes. sent out on, uh, a, I believe it is a loan. So he should be coming back at the end of the season. Um, and uh, me and Callum occasionally chat on Instagram and he was uh, very much enjoyed uh, that performance after being let go to come back. Um, I bet. Yeah. But I think it, at the end of the day, though, it was an opportunity missed. You can't be dropping three points at home in the situation that we're in at the moment when we're trying to sneak into the playoffs via the back door. And um, the good thing is that the team picked themselves up and went to Hartford, although that's not a difficult assignment. Um, they came away with three goals, a hat-trick by Joaquin Rivas, and all three points. Um, and the good news is we get to play Hartford again in these last nine games at home. So, um, yeah, I mean, very much a tale of two games. I mean, against, I saw bits and pieces because I was travelling um, I think we could have done a bit better against Indy, but we didn't really get going in that game. And then Hartford, everything we touched turned to gold. Um, and we'll need some of that against Tampa, I think, because that's going to be a difficult game. But you look at, I'm looking at nine games left. I think we're going to need something like 12 to 15 points to have any hope of making the playoffs. And you're talking about five wins or maybe four four wins and a couple of draws. We really can't afford to slip up too much over the next one, two, three, four, five games. Um, I mean, we got to, we go we travelled to, to Detroit. Got to at least get a, a draw there. Um, travel to Windy. I think write that one off. I don't see how we get anything out of that. Hmm. But then. Two home games, Pittsburgh and Louisville. On paper, you look at that and you're terrified. But those two teams don't travel very well. And um, and we haven't done too bad against them in South Florida at FAU Stadium. So, yeah, I think if we can get to the Hartford game at home and maybe get nine points, if that's not too optimistic, from those one, two, three, four, five, six games... I think we could still be in with a shout. It depends a lot on what other teams do, but uh, I really feel that it's a, a shootout between us and Tulsa now for this last spot. I think Detroit might be a little bit too far behind. I think Indy and Birmingham are probably okay. So, uh, yeah, lots of good football coming down the wire from uh, Miami FC as well. And uh, I guess I, the, the playoffs have good things and bad things, but it does make this middle-of-the-table battle far more interesting than the top and the bottom of the table. And uh, yeah, Indy, Birmingham, um, Miami, Tulsa and Detroit um, pick three from five. And uh, at least we're in there. We're playing good football. We're almost back into positive goal difference. And uh, again, we've said it again on this podcast today, momentum. And I think that win puts that Indy loss behind. If we can get a point out of Tampa, if we can maybe get a point out of India, we are laughing, I think. I think there's there's games coming that we can get points in. But a hat-trick, scoring three goals without reply, it's about the best way you can come into this game. And uh, Miami's and and Tampa's form are pretty similar at the moment. So uh, maybe I've got my blue and orange spectacles on a little bit, but uh, 
I think it might be a little bit closer than the uh, the league table suggests on Saturday. Yeah, I think that um, looking at the schedule here, that loss to Tulsa is hurts because yeah. the goal the goal differential is looking good, but that ain't the top tiebreaker in the USL. The top tiebreaker is points against uh, tied competition, and and Tulsa have the advantage, and they're going to hold the advantage. Mm-hmm. So you can't just dr- tie them on points. You got to get past them, and the the makeup of the schedule here. The bad news is. It's pretty good teams um, overall. You're, you're not getting too many clunkers there. The good news is, is that if you can put the points together, uh, you're going to get in because you are mm-hmm. you may wind up getting into, into seventh if you can get a result against Birmingham, if you can get a result against some of these other teams. Um, and you're going to have a chance against Detroit to kind of create some separation there. But it, it'll definitely be an interesting run in. Joel, what do you see from this team? Yeah, that Indy loss is going to come back to, I mean, that's one of those, you you circle the, the Tulsa loss and that Indy loss. Those are the kind of games, if you miss the playoffs, you look back at those two games and you're like, those games probably should have, you know, come away with at least some kind of points uh, and make it even, or at least keep pace. Um, so those are, those are games. And then like, you know, to come so close in that Indy game with that Salazar goal that was called off because he played it with his arm. Like it's a game of inches. That's, that could have easily been a draw the other way. Um, just a frustrating result for sure. But, um, you know, I love what I saw from the, from the Harper match. I mean, that you want to talk about a response, that's how you respond. And, you know, something interesting is that, you know, you got uh, Florian Velo back there in the tent starting that game. And you, if you look back at Florian Velo and when he's in the, when he's been battling injuries all season long, but when he's in the starting lineup versus when he's not in the starting lineup, check this out, Miami FC, when they have him on the field starting, they are four, four wins, six draws, two losses. And when he's not on the pitch, when he's not starting three wins, two draws, eight losses, that is a big difference. And when you have a guy that, that's able to facilitate play, he's technical, he's good on the attack, and he kind of opens up many different avenues on the attack for Miami FC, and he's a great distributor, and he get, he gives defenses fits. And Harper was playing kind of like an aggressive high 5-3-2 on Saturday, and you know that he was able to like you know open up opportunities, especially for Joaquin Rivas on the outside, especially on that first goal. So, uh, you know, you, you really hope you can keep Florian Velo healthy. When he's in the starting lineup, I feel confident that Miami can go toe-to-toe with anybody in this league. So we'll see what kind of lineup Neil uh, Lewis Neal puts in there on Saturday against Tampa. That's going to be a tough road. And like you said, this this the September stretch is going to be pivotal, and, and it's going to be tough. We're going to know by the end of September whether or not Miami FC is still in the playoff hunt or not. Um but it's going to be it's going to be a tough road. And, uh, you know, part of that's because we dug ourselves into a hole early in the season. And now we're going to, have to climb ourselves out and hope again for one of those last couple seeds. But it's still anybody's game. Yeah, I, I think as well that it's it's been a bit of a different USL championship. You know, some of these uh, reserve teams have been uh, waved goodbye. And uh, I think it's been pretty competitive from top to bottom in the sense that the bottom teams have all been competing for something and the top teams have uh have been pretty close. So it's difficult to know, I think, what that post is that you want to get to to get into the playoffs. I, I, I pitch it at about 43, 44, 45 points. Maybe that's a bit high. But then again, you don't know because any of these teams on any given day can really beat any of the other ones, really, except maybe Hartford. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an, an interesting close to the regular season. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hope we don't get any uh, weather crashing into South Florida that's going up, to upheave all of that and uh, make us play five games in three days, something stupid. But yeah, 
But I think it's still in our hands. And that's probably, if you'd have offered me that 10, 15 games ago, I would have bit your hands off. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really quite a quick turnaround considering where the, the club was. And as you said, they have everything in front of them. And that's kind of all you can ask for, particularly when you get off to such a poor start as they kind of did this season. So uh, obviously the next match for them on the calendar is going to be a big one. It's going to be a tricky one. Um, it's going to be this Saturday against Tampa Bay Rowdies. That's at FIU at the Ricky um, kickoff at 7 p.m., but imagine Tampa is going to be the favorite in that one, but it's a home match. And anytime Miami and, T- Miami and Tampa play, um, you know, in the old uh, Tamiami Trail derby, um, throughout the record books. Uh, and, and that's if Miami can get three points from that, or even a draw, but especially at three points, that's really going to rewrite the the math a little bit on what's possible. So um, bring your loud voice. Fingers uh, crossed. you. Everything crossed. <laughs> yes, fingers and toes. Um, so that about does it for the Miami angle. Let's talk about the big global story, um, and that is the Women's World Cup. Uh, we have a Women's World Cup result. We have a new champion, a first-time champion, and it is España. Viva España. You have uh, the the women of Spain uh, take a 1-0 victory over England um, in a tight match. Uh, Spain, I from for my money, the the most well balanced team in the tournament. You never really saw much of a bad performance from them at all. Um, England, uh, you know, brought physical play. We're in a fight here or two there, but we're a, a well deserving runner up and could have very easily won that match. Um, but this is really a a statement of intent uh, from Spanish football um, on the world stage as it relates to women's soccer. Um, Lee, how how much of the final were you able to see? Yeah, I I, you were. I, I watched quite a bit of it. Yeah, no, no, no. I was I was back by then. Um, okay, good. I think I think the right the right team won. Um, I think yeah. in, on the day the right team won. I think it was a bit of a shame that it wasn't a fantastic spectacle, but I think sometimes you get that with a final. Um, you know, it was such a good World Cup, uh, some great games and some great play in it that it was. Uh, it was a bit of a shame that there was that goal just before half time, and all Spain needed to do was what Spain do, which is uh, keep possession, not make any silly mistakes, and uh, and get over the line, which they did very well. Um, but I just thought it was a great World Cup. I think for, we talked about an extended World Cup and how maybe there was some thought about how that would go. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought Spain did really, really well, and I think they did have one bad result. I think they did lose four nil to. Uh, the Japanese in um, the group stage, maybe. Oh yeah, you're right. So, yeah. So, bite I mean, my tongue. Yeah, what <laughs> happened there? So, I, but but then again, that that can happen. I mean, again, we talk about the USL Championship be close. It was actually quite a close World Cup. I mean, there was a couple of teams that you know were at the bottom of the pile, but even they still did quite well. And for Spain to get hammered in the group stage and then come back and win the whole thing, um, yeah, that just. Uh, shows that they're a good team that can overcome those kind of obstacles and some great players. And then when you see those stories about Olga Carmona and, uh, you know, the personal stuff that came out after the game, I mean, what a moment for, 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 for that young lady as well. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a shame. No one likes losing a loved one, but, uh, you know, what a way to, uh, what a, what a way to sort of honor that memory. But uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think uh, congratulations to Spain. I think they were, Worthy winners. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the next one now, but we don't even know where it's going to be. They haven't awarded the host yet. 
Yeah, uh, if if anything uh, we know about FIFA, they're they're excellent stewards of the women's game. They definitely are, are excellent at b- building up suspense and making people, you know, understand the the predictability of the game. But uh, yeah, for I think that you you have to um, say that this I, I do feel like maybe not from the American perspective per se, but for the game in general, this was a stupendous world cup and man you're going to go in four years from now and and who's who's going to win mm-hmm. you know who who are going to be the leaders who's going to be i mean you would f- maybe favor spain knowing that they've just won but you know is england going to be able to carry another four years with this generation you know there have been some teams that have been on the rise are they going to be able to sustain you then have all these teams that have kind of announced themselves here what's colombia going to look like in four years um, it, it, it's, I feel like this is the first time in my memory where there is so much uncertainty in the women's game. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Not, not just like, Oh, I don't know how it's going to look, but like, man, there could be six, seven, eight teams that you might figure have a shot at winning next time. When even coming into this tournament, you probably would have only said two or three teams have a shot at winning and Spain might not have been one, but they should have been one. But like in terms of actual predictions, I'll give credit, I believe is to Franco. It was either Franco or Omar, whoever was that I actually said this, they're going to get mad at me that I'm sharing credit with the other, but I think it was Franco that really called out Spain from the jump. I was really big on Spain, um, but I don't think I would have favored them to win at the beginning of the tournament. I don't think that would have been one of the, the countries would have put, pulled out. I probably would have pulled out France, England, US, you know, even Brazil, you know, I, I, I would have gone to those countries first. Now it's like you, you got maybe even double digit teams that you have to think about, man, they got a shot. They got good mm. players. They got a good philosophy to their, their, their side. And, and that's so great for the game um, because it's, it's just tense. It's, it's, it's and and tension makes an event like the world cup. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm, I cannot wait for the next world cup. Now I can't wait for the Olympics next year. I, um, I, I... I saw some really sorry, Matt. I saw some really no, good. Go I saw some really good stats, and you know, I you never know like how popular something is. And of course, this World Cup was so popular. But I saw something that like the majority of the people online on social media talking and tweeting and sharing stuff about the tournament was actually men. And I think that that's a really important point that you know men are prepared to watch the women's game and um you know enjoy it and um and lift it up and uh and support it and uh obviously you know it's women's football and, it, and it's great that women are supporting it as well but i think the fact that blokes are taking a bigger interest in it and taking it seriously is a really good thing for the sport too and um i think now that it's so easy to watch the club games as well um a lot of these popular teams are now taking the women's games seriously so you can watch the Chelsea women's team, you can watch the Real Madrid um, women's team. I think that's a good thing as well. It's only going to get stronger and that's a very, very good thing. But the one other thing I want to say is I think that Lauren James red card had a bigger impact than people maybe realise because, you know, it's a, it's a it, the correct call. Of course, it's a correct call. Like, it has to, has to go for that. But, you know, she misses the game against the Matildas and then again, momentum, a player loses momentum and then She's in a different mindset for the final. And that's a player who can change the game. That's a player who's going to have a great career. And uh, I think that they they missed that little bit of impact from Lauren James in the final game. And uh, yeah, Spain took advantage of it. But I can't wait for 2027. I'm kind of hoping for Brazil to host it because I'd like to go down there and uh, watch it in Brazil. That would be great. That, that, that'd be a good... 
uh, a, he- a heck of a venue. Mm. Um, I think using using the the established stadiums that exist instead of building new stadiums and and potentially toppling their government again. Um, they they've already got the infrastructure. Um, and and that that is a country just like the U.S. that has been in on women's soccer for a good long while now. They that that's a deserving place to put. Uh, what I think would be the first Women's World Cup in South America, if I'm not it, mistaken. It would be. I think it might be a shootout between them and the South Africans. And I had great memories of going to the South Africa World Cup. Yes. So I would not begrudge either of those nations from hosting it. And of course, you are in the USA, but I kind of get like USA are hosting everything at the moment coming down the line. So it might be good to give some of the places a bit of a chance there. I'd agree with that. I think that, you know, I I'll take it every four years if they want to give it to us, but, um, but, um, I, I think it'd be fair to, you know, considering we are hosting a lot in the next few years, we, we can maybe take a breather and, and push our next women's world cup to the 2030s. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's the worst thing to ever happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see. And I, I do think, you know, I, I don't want to say this as though it's, it's a, a down mark on the women's program here in the United States. But I think the fact that the U S has been so dominant over the last decade or so, and particularly because it was the U S and not a traditional soccer power, I think that was kind of holding women's soccer back a bit because it then became easier to kind of dismiss like, Oh, that's just what the Americans do. They don't even care about soccer. They're good at women's soccer. Now that you're actually it's Spain, it's England, you know, it's the Netherlands. Um, it's Brazil and the U.S. Even you know just that parity there to a degree where the U.S. is one of five or six or seven countries. I think that's so much better for the sport. I don't I I don't think the U.S. needs to be taken down a peg and 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 disappear from this top point. Um, but I think that it, it is now like oh yeah, countries that play soccer well play women's soccer well. That makes sense. Okay, and then also the U.S. is really good at this because of title nine and our investment in the sport when other people weren't paying attention. And I think that that's really good for the sport going forward. Amen. So amen to that. So I think that'll do it. Gentlemen, anything else to add? I'm done. I'm spent. Yes. I think it's, I think it's nap time. I think it's nap time for us. So as always, uh, Joel Delgado, thank you very much, pal. Always a pleasure talking with you guys. Looking forward to the next time. Awesome. And Lee fans. Thank you as always, sir. I am going to go and claim my check from Breeze Airways for shilling their uh, competition that was Miami, uh, into Miami's first ever trophy. So uh, shout out to Breeze Airways. Give me some frequent flyer miles. The The line is open for the <laughs> send the miles on down. Uh, for those two guys, I've been Matthew Bunch. And until next time, uh, go Miami FC and go handle Tampa. You know what to do. Uh, go Leagues Cup champion, Inter Miami CF and go Miami soccer. <laughs>